good morning. Good to see everyone out in the house of the Lord this morning. If you'll stand with me as we sing at Calvary.
Good morning. Uh, we have announcements today. Uh, today we're going to have a guest speaker, Chris Jordan. He comes to us uh, from our association. He was recommended by, by Reverend Dickard. Uh, he'll be with us today and tonight. So let's, let's be with uh, uh, Reverend Jordan uh, today and tonight. Our, uh, our preschool begins August the 8th on Monday. Uh, there's some items that are in short supply on. If you want to look at your bulletin, there's Kleenexes, hand sanitizers, ma uh, magic erasers, crayons, stuff like that. Uh, if anyone feels uh, the need to donate, they, uh, they would uh, much appreciate it. Teresa is here all week. She'll also go back to her normal hours where she's going to be in the office uh, from 12 to 3 along with the preschool in the morning. You can email her as well of other stuff she may need. Young at Heart will meet at 11 a.m. at the church, uh, August 8th, Monday morning. They, uh, they'll be going to Powdersville to crack a barrel for, for, uh, to eat. Also, Karen came up and checked the bus out, so she said air conditioning's ready to go, and, and uh, if you need gas or fuel, let me know, and I can fill it up today. So she, she's uh, got that ready. Um, next week, I want everybody to be in prayer. We get our interim preacher next week. Uh, Reverend Mike Bowling. He was highly recommended by uh, Dr. Dickard. He, he has been in some other churches in the area and has done quite well. We got a lot of a lot of good uh, people said a lot of good things about Mike. In fact, some of the places he's been in room, they've had people come and join the church. So. But what I wanted to say is he, he has been asked at the other churches to be a full-time pastor. He is not interested in that. He just wants to be our in room. He will be our interim as long as we need him, but he's not interested in being our pastor. So we'll have to we'll we'll, uh, we'll get a, uh, a committee together and start looking for a pastor. But he he will be our interim as long as we need him. He will also uh, once a month go to our preschool and uh, do do a Bible study with with our preschool at least once a month. Uh, he'll be working out of his home. He won't be coming up to our church office. He recommended he wanted to study from his house. But he will be uh, able to do visitations in, uh, in, in needs and areas, but he would like to have someone to go with him from the church since he doesn't know all of our uh, uh, visitation or people that's in need. So, but he's, he be, uh, I think he's going to be a good candidate. Deacons met with him starting what, Tuesday last week, week ago. We met with him for about an hour or so and, and really, really liked what he had to say. And he seemed excited, and I think we're excited, so I think we're, we're lucky to have him. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please sign up for the Axe Table Sanctuary. We still have this over here. And, and we'll soon be formed for nominating community. We're going to try to do that uh, pretty soon, maybe hopefully this month, within the next couple of weeks. Also, uh, on a side note, WMU will be meeting Tuesday night at 6.30. Also, the men will continue meeting Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. And one more side note, and <coughs> uh, one knows about Brian Dismukes. At the end of the service Thursday, the kids had asked, he had left his shirt and shoes up there where he was sitting. And that was folded up and it was right at his area. The kids had asked to leave that up there for a while. And I didn't think it'd be a problem. They just kind of thought it'd be a good idea to just kind of leave it there as a memory of him. Uh, we also have his cross up. We left his picture out front. We, probably for the rest of his month, we'd like to kind of stay in memory of Brian. He was a big part of our church and a big part of our equipment. So we're gonna miss them. All right. It's okay, we'd like to go in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for everyone to be here to hear Lord. We'll have to uplift once our prayer list, Lord. You, you know each and every one of their needs, dear Father. We thank you for all the things you've done for us. We ask you to be with uh, Reverend Jordan as you bring us a message to love in his heart. That each one of us can take home with us, dear Lord, and go through our week with you, Father. Father, school's back in there, Lord. We ask you to be with our children and our teachers, dear Lord, as they, as they uh, help with our children and, and give them the knowledge. And Father, we pray. In thy name, amen. If you'll stand once again for our offertory, great is thy faithfulness.
They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now, I'm a losing bad. I've stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, Oh, right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? I know you're able and I know you can Stay through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone They say it only takes a little faith To move a mountain Well good thing a little faith is all I have right now But God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable Oh, give me the strength to be able to sing It is well with my soul I know you're able and I know you can Stay through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone I know the sorrow and I know the hurt Would all go away if you just say the word But even if you don't My hope is you alone You've been faithful, you've been good all my days. Jesus, I will cling to you, come what may, cause I know you're able, and I know you can. Don't my 
and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you Good to uh, be with you uh, this morning. Uh, I am uh, blessed to uh, uh, to be here. Um, for those of you that uh, that don't know me, my name is Chris Jordan. Uh, I am uh, missions and ministry strategist for the Piedmont Association. I've been here for, I guess, maybe about eight and a half years now, uh, and. Uh, uh, I am a, originally from Conway, South Carolina, so I'm not uh, uh, not from uh, uh, the upstate. Uh, I pastored a church down in uh, Ainer, uh, South Carolina, so if you're going to Myrtle Beach, uh, slow down as you go through there, because uh, if you don't, you're probably going to get a ticket. Uh, they have uh, uh, annexed uh, the road uh, through there, and uh, they will definitely like to give you a ticket, so... Uh, be careful going through there. So I'm married. Uh, my wife and I grew up together in the same church in, uh, uh, in Conway. We have uh, three kids. Uh, uh, Mike is a senior at Clemson. My daughter, Abby Ruth, is a uh, freshman at Clemson. And uh, my youngest daughter, Anna Rebecca, is a freshman at uh, Pickens High School. So uh, give you a little bit of background on me. I went to Anderson University uh, and uh, then went on to uh, Liberty, uh, to uh, seminary, and then back to Anderson. Uh, and... Um, I finished up my doctoral work in revitalization, uh, church revitalization at uh, at Anderson. So, um, just a little background on me. Uh, I know you guys have had a, a tough week, uh, and uh, uh, rest assured that we at the association have been uh, been praying for you guys and uh, uh, praying for the, this Mukes family. And uh, just uh, uh, as I thought about. Uh, prepping for today what, what do you what do you say to a church has been through a, a week uh, like you guys and uh, uh, as I talked to a few people and um, uh, as an outsider looking in at Brian's life um, one of the things that stood out to me was the uh, uh, just the way he had his priorities in order he put first things first if you look back over the uh, the years uh, and uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning uh, that um, uh, gives us a group of people who didn't do that uh, and a challenge for us to make sure that, uh, that we do that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Haggai chapter 1. Uh, some people pronounce it Haggai, uh, so uh, take your pick on, on that. Uh, but if you go to the New Testament and hang a left and go back a couple of books, uh, you'll find the second shortest book in the Old Testament. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, um, I get my priorities out of order, uh, and I neglect to put first things first. Uh, this past week, uh, we were doing uh, laundry at the uh, World Series over in, in Easley. We had a group of volunteers doing that, and I guess between me and another guy, we probably put about 70-some hours in over there since last Saturday. Uh, and uh, then as I started thinking about um, preparing for uh, today in the middle of all that, uh, I, I realized um, uh, again that sometimes I let my priorities slip out of order. Uh, and I confess to you that uh, um, sometimes I'm playing catch up in my relationship with the Lord uh, and in my relationship with my family. 
Uh, and, and it seems like sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to get first things first. Uh, and that's where we're going to look at today in the book of Haggai. Now, uh, as I said, it's the second uh, shortest book in the Old Testament. Uh, but even being so small, uh, there is a potent message that this prophet gives to this remnant uh, of people. Uh, it tells us to put first things first in our life. It was written to people like us. Uh, here, here was a people who believed that, that God should be first in, in our lives. Uh, and, and yet, um, they had drifted away from that. Uh, I would say that most of us believe that God needs to be first uh, in, in our lives, but sometimes our intellectual belief in the supremacy of God uh, is trumped uh, and not reflected in the way that we live. Um, they gave lip service to the priority of God, but their lives told a different story. And God sent his prophet to help his people get their priorities in line. So look with me at Haggai chapter 1. In this, the scripture says, In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but you harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothes, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns wages to put it in a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little when you bring it home. I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own home, to his own house. Therefore, because, you, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on the ground, on what the ground produces, on the men, on the cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that, Lord, even as we look at what would, in our minds, maybe even be an obscure prophet in the Old Testament, Lord, you speak through him. And Father, I pray that today, God, you would speak, Lord, like only you can. Lord, that your word would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would change our lives by being in this place today. Lord, I ask you to hide me behind the cross. Lord, that the things that I say would be the things that you won't say. Lord, I ask you to guard my lips from saying anything that would be displeasing to you. Father, I confess my unworthiness, Lord, my sin to you. Lord, that I'm not even worthy to stand behind this desk. But Lord, as your word tells us, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, may you just hide me behind the cross. And Lord, speak through your word today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, as we kind of uh, unpack uh, this uh, passage uh, today, uh, there's a few things I want us to, uh, uh, to see as we move in uh, to these verses today. As we look at the historical setting behind uh, the book of Haggai, uh, it, it coincides with the early chapters of the book of Ezra. So uh, in 538 B.C., a remnant of about 50,000 Jews uh, returned from Babylon to Judah uh, under the decree of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Now, if you remember back into the Old Testament a little further, the, they, they were taken into captivity. If you, even if you go back to the book of Daniel, they were taken into captivity. Uh, and they spent, 40, uh, spent 70 years in, in captivity. And now under Cyrus the king, there's a remnant of these Jewish people that are allowed to return to their homeland to rebuild the temple. So as they return, uh, they quickly rebuilt the altar uh, and they begin offering sacrifices, something they hadn't been able to do while they were in captivity. Uh, so within two years of returning, they had laid the foundation to, to rebuild uh, the temple. Well, at this time, their Samaritan neighbors, they, they come over and they offered to join in the work. Uh, but the, the Jews refused uh, their offer. Well, then the Samaritans said, well, if you're not going to let us help, uh, then ultimately we're just going to cause you problems. Uh, and uh, they threatened the workers. They sent men to Persia to lobby against the Jews. And uh, ultimately the work came to a screeching halt. And somewhere between 14 and 18 years passed during this time. And the people kind of got caught up in, in doing life. Uh, they got caught up in farming, building houses, raising families, uh, all of that sort of thing. And, and they got used to life with, without this temple. Uh, uh, they had been in captivity for, for 70 years. Some of them may have never even known what the temple was other than hearing about how great this temple was, this temple of Solomon. So they had gotten used to the way things were. And into that scene is where God raises up this prophet Haggai to proclaim this message to this remnant. So as we kind of unpack this, let's look back at verses 1 through 5. And we see a challenge there from the Lord. The Lord says, the people say the time has not come. Uh, even the time to rebuild the house of the Lord. You see, after the exiles returned to Jerusalem, they began rebuilding the temple, and they, they, we really believe they, they got the altar up, and then this political and economic issues came into play, and they abandoned the work. And despite many years passing, the people still didn't think it was time to start the work. Maybe it was because they were facing community issues. Maybe they were facing some economic issues. Uh, maybe they were facing food shortages and, and all that. And they probably justified it by saying, you know, we just, we're, we're barely surviving. Uh, we, we don't have extra money. We don't have extra resources to build this temple. They never got around to it. You know, as I think back in the way that uh, we do church sometimes, we have great and mighty things that, that we want to do sometimes, but we never get around to it. Life gets in the way. Or, or maybe even in, in our spiritual lives, we know that God's calling us to do something, and, and we kind of justify, well, man, when I get a little bit older, I'm going to get my life right. Or when I get a little bit more money, I can, I can start tithing. Or, or when, when, when I get a little bit more involved, when I know a little bit more about the Bible, I can tell people about Jesus. We come up with these excuses, if you will. And here's what God says to Haggai. He says, is it time for you, your sweat, you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate consider your ways you see God points out that the people had found time they had found the resources to do what they wanted to do they, they had found the time and the resources to build these paneled houses if you will and they've been living in them 
for probably somewhere 15, 16 years at that point. But it wasn't time to rebuild God's house. What does that say about the priorities and values of this people? You know, as we look across the landscape of uh, churches in America today, what does it say about our attitudes and our priorities and our values looking at our churches? About 70%, 70 to 80% of the churches in our area have plateaued or declined. Only about 60 to 70% of people have come back from COVID. You see, there are thousands of churches across America that are justifying their lack of work and enthusiasm for God's kingdom with things like we're just too small. We just don't have enough fun. Our people didn't come back from COVID. And we come up with all kinds of justifications as to why we're not doing the work of the Lord. We come up with justifications as to why we as sister churches in our areas aren't working together to, to reach our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to work with that church because... Uh, I, I don't like the way they're doing things. I, I don't like the music that they have. I, I don't like the fact that they're so big. I, I don't like the fact that some of our people left and, and went over there. And we come up with all kinds of justifications as to why we aren't doing things for the kingdom of the Lord. And I think we need to listen to the words of Haggai as he says, Consider your way. Your actions are speaking louder than your words. You say that you follow God. You say that you follow His ways and, and His plans. And, and, and yet, in, in this passage, God's blessed them by allowing them to return to their homeland. And uh, He's done what He promised He would do. And yet, they're continually self-absorbed. You see, God was pointing out three things to these people. Uh, the first thing is he was pointing out their selfishness. He says, just think for a, a moment, if you will, about the time and the money and the energy and the enthusiasm that you spend on your own houses, your, your paneled houses. That tells us that they were probably luxurious homes. Some may have had the rooftop gardens and, and uh, they weren't just a, a shack. Look at the time that you spend on them. Look at the time that you spend in them. And here, my house, the Lord's house, the house of God, the chief house of all, it lies in ruins. It lies in waste. See, there's a selfish, misplaced priority on these people. Secondly, God, he, he, he reprimands them for their indifference. He says, my house is lying waste. Now, now, don't forget that these people have been in captivity for 70 years. They didn't need a temple there. They couldn't have a temple. And when they came out of captivity, they were indifferent to the need of it because they had been without it so long. Could it be that we as churches in America today, that we have missed the blessing of God? We've missed the power of the Spirit of God on our churches today, and we don't even miss it anymore. See, I wonder, in my personal life, in, in the life of our churches, we get used to God not moving. And we become indifferent to it. We become unconscious to it. We don't even realize what we're missing. Third thing is, there were these hostile neighbors, these Samaritans. Uh, they gave opposition. Now, it wasn't a particularly strong opposition or, or anything like that. Uh, it, the Jews had put up with bigger oppositions in, in the past, but they had become downtrodden, and, and they felt like they were hopeless, and they gave in just at the first fight. And I wonder today if some of our churches aren't so downtrodden, so hopeless, 
that, that we give in at the first sign of trouble. We, we give in at the first sign that things aren't going the way that we want them to go, and we just give up. Friends, I want to tell you that God is as great today as He has ever been. Uh, he, he is doing things today just like He did in the book of Acts. Uh, he, he has that same power today that he had them. And the tragedy in this passage of Scripture is that the people were so lukewarm that God doesn't even refer to them as his people. Now, we know that the Jews were the chosen nation, but look at verse 2. He, he doesn't call them my people. He says this people, not even my people. So what about us? What about us in 2022? How many of us are focused on our individual lives? And even with us focusing on them, because we haven't put our priority in the Lord, our lives are in shambles. Our, our nation is in shambles. And God's church is in ruins. So think about this. I know you guys have had some struggles over the years. You've had people leave. You've had splits. You have all kinds of issues, uh, just as many churches around us have. But could it be that, that our own individual, we're so focused on our own individual lives that we miss that what God is trying to do through the hardships that we face? God says, consider your way. But then as we move on down that passage of Scripture, we see that he gives them a command. He says, go up into the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and glorified. Rebuild the temple. Make following God's plan and glorifying his name a priority in your life. You see, the temple was a place that was devoted to the glory of the Lord. And he says, you need to glorify God by rebuilding this temple. You can build your own houses. And that's fine. But it's past time to rebuild the house of God. Now, most of our churches are plateaued and declining. Friends, I think it's time for us to get serious about building the kingdom of God rather than trying to build our own kingdoms. I had a conversation with a guy Wednesday night uh, just about the division that we see in churches today. Everybody's so focused on their own agenda and not God's agenda. We want God's blessing. I believe these people, they wanted God's blessing. I, I believe they wanted to please the Lord. But there was a caveat here. In verses 9 through 12, God, God talks about some things that have gone on in their lives. And, and, and the reason for the struggles that, that they were facing, God says that there's a drought and there's lack of food, and it's a result of this uh, neglect of God's house. They weren't prospering in their businesses because they had forgotten about doing God's business. You see, these Jewish returnees, they use this poor economic situation. They use it as an excuse but God meant it to be a wake-up call for them. God often allows hardships in our lives because in those hardships, in those trials, in those tribulations, we realize our smallness. We realize, we realize and we recognize our need for a Savior, our need for God. Israel needed to reconsider their ways and return to God. What about us? What about you as an individual? You see, today, to our world, our generation, uh, we toil, we reap, we work, we sweat, and we feel like we just don't get anything done. I know some of you probably work tirelessly in this church and it may, maybe you feel like it's just not accomplishing anything or, or, or maybe you, you feel like that, that you're, you're trying in your own spiritual life and Satan keeps throwing up these roadblocks in there you wonder Lord when are you when are you going to do something that's when we 
keep following, even if the blessings don't come. You see, the approach that they had been following was that, hey, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to do our own thing. And we're expecting God to do something, but we're going to do it our way. And God says, no, that's not what is going to happen. If, if you want, to, do, if you want to, to, to glorify me, then you've got to do it my way. You can't do it your way. They weren't willing to be obedient. They weren't willing to count the cost that would necessitate the covenant that when we give to God, He gives back. They weren't willing to sacrifice that cost. You know, as I read through this passage this week, I'm thinking, what was Haggai thinking as God gave him this message to share with those people? How are they going to respond to this rebuke that he's giving them? Will they get offended? Will they run him off? Will they go to another fellowship that's not as demanding? Will they wait until... Maybe sometime, uh, and, and maybe they have some money left over to devote to the Lord's things. How are they going to respond? He says, we, we sow a lot. We expect a lot. And, and that's great. But if we're not willing to give everything, we're not going to reap anything. We've got to be willing to give it all to the Lord. Look at the response of the people in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all of the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. You see, the people, they, they obey this message that God has given through this prophet. And, and they start to rebuild the temple. And, and, and notice the end of verse 12 there. It says, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. Do we really show reverence for the Lord today? I'm not talking about it in the way that we dress. But there, there are some things that we need to show reverence for. He's not the man upstairs, I, uh, he's not my homie over there. Uh, he is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. He is all these things. He's the light of the world. Do we show reverence for Him? You see, these people, they obey the message of God that's given through this prophet and they start to rebuild the temple. And the response is they put God back in a place of top priority in their lives you see God is above all his plan is perfect and he is to be treated as the, the highest of high you see up to this point the people were given priority to their own agenda but now instead of giving God the leftovers they start making him and his plan a priority there's a renewal of purpose, if you will, in the lives of these Jewish people. They responded to God's word. And friends, we need to respond to God's words. We don't need to just listen to it and hear it with our heads. Uh, we need to hide it in our hearts like Mary. And then work on it and, and act on it. Verse 13 says that they obeyed the voice of the Lord. That wasn't easy. It isn't easy to obey the voice of the Lord. Because they had been in, in captivity for seven year, 70 years and that they had spent the last 16 years just being despondent, uh, it was tough to go back and, and, and follow the Lord. That may be where you're at today. Maybe you've been walking far from God. That, that at some point in your life, you, you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, but something happened over the years and, and you got downtrodden and, and you've walked away from the Lord and you've been walking there for a long time. Today is the day to respond to Him and return to Him. You see, these people, they spent 16 years in spiritual lukewarmness. 
And I'm afraid that's where many in the church are today. Lukewarm. But it only took them four weeks. If you look at the timetable through here in Ezra, it only took them four weeks to get up and get started and get going on the work of rebuilding the temple. See, verse 14 says that they responded to God and their spirits were stirred up. Now, I think that's what we need in the church today. Our spirits need to be stirred. And, and we can go back to, even back to salvation with this, that we can't come to the Lord anytime we want to come to the Lord. Salvation is free for all, but it takes a work of the Spirit working in our lives that when He calls us to salvation, we respond in obedience. So if you're one of those guys that's thinking, man, someday I'm going to get my life right with the Lord, trust me, friend, that it's only through the work of the Spirit that God brings us to salvation. And then we respond in obedience. So you can't do it on your timetable. And God's sitting here today speaking to your hearts, saying, come. Come to me. So don't think you can do it on your timetable. We need a work of the Spirit working in our lives today. We need a work of the Spirit working in our church today so that we're willing to stretch ourselves, to get out of our comfort zones, to get out of our own agendas and focus on what God wants us to do. You see, God works in us to change our desires, to, to give us faith, uh, but we are accountable for the choices that we make. We can pray that he would transform us from the inside out. So that we can respond in true faith. You know, sometimes when we do that, and, and, and our heart and our lives are willing, even when we don't know all the answers, God still uses us. And even when we're not completely on board, God, he, he, he molds us and moves us into that direction. So you don't need to have all the answers today to know what God wants you to do. That's how it's living by faith. We just know that we trust him. Just as those young ladies sang, even if, even if we don't understand, even if we don't know, we still trust him. Then look at the reassurance that he gives the people. You see, after the people's good response, God goes back in, thir in verse 13 and says, I am with you. I am with you. You see, when we walk in God's will, we have the reassurance of his presence. We have the reassurance of his presence. You see, we place ourselves in a position to receive God's grace and be a part of His plan. And when we respond in obedience, when we get back in step with God, uh, just as the people of Israel did, we can be assured that He is with us. We find those words that I am with you all throughout Scripture. If you go back even further back to Isaac and Jacob in Genesis 26 and 28, he says, I'm with you. When Moses was going to deliver Israel in Exodus, he says, I'm with you. And when God said it to Joshua as he was getting ready to go into the land of Canaan, he said, I'm with you. As Jeremiah, when God called him as a child, he says, I'm with you. Israel, many times, over in Isaiah, when they were going through times of trouble, he says, I'm with you. Your Emmanuel. He said it to the disciples in the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate word. He said it to the Apostle Paul as he went to Corinth, not knowing what he was walking into. And he says it to his church today. He says it to you who are hurting today. I'm with you. I've got a plan for you. I've got something for you to do. He says it to this congregation, to Liberty First Baptist Church. I'm with you. I've got something for you to do. Imagine God whispering this phrase into your life. As you're going through rebuilding a marriage, I'm with you. As you're beginning to pursue generosity, I'm with you. As you begin as a church to, to rebuild and, and, and focus on what God wants you to do 
in this transition. I'm with you. I'm with you. You see, the truly remarkable nature of this book is that it allows us to see a people who began to walk in repentance. When they were confronted with the reality of their spiritual condition before the Lord, they feared the Lord and they obeyed His call on their lives. They began to prioritize God, His plan. They didn't give Him the leftovers. Now, like those Jewish people who had returned from the exile, we have our own agendas. We have our own houses. We spend our time and our resources many times on what we want to do rather than giving God the priority. So let me ask you this morning. Does God have priority in your life? Does God have priority in your life? Are you like these Jewish people? You know something's missing, but you're kind of just in your own little world. And maybe today, the Holy Spirit himself has pricked your heart. and said, you know, there's some things you need to change. Consider your ways. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus this morning. Can I invite you to come in just a moment? We're going to have a, a time of invitation. Let me share with you how you can know Christ. Maybe you just need to come and bow on this altar today. Put first things first in your life. Get your priorities straight. Honor the Lord in that. I don't know what your need is. But I know who can meet your need. And his name's Jesus. Consider your ways, church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak through your word. And Lord, I pray now that, uh, Lord, as we have this time of response, he, the Holy Spirit, would move throughout this congregation. Lord, you speak to hearts. Lord, you change lives as you see fit. Father, I pray that each of us would consider our ways. Lord, give us courage to make the changes that we need to make in our lives. Resting in the fact that you are with us. That you are our Emmanuel. Lord, would you move and have your will and your way during this time? I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet. We're going to have a time of invitation, hymn number 285. I'll be here at the front if you need somebody to pray with you or if you need to know about Jesus. Would you respond as the Lord leads this morning?
sing that song we sang during our prep for our fellowship. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. This will be our dismissal. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joined us with Jesus as we travel this side. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Choir practice at five. Everybody, please come back tonight.